There's an old expression my mother used to repeat over and over, it seemed. Just a few words. What doesn't break you makes you stronger. Kelly Clarkson edited one word of that old expression for her song, Stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that song could be an anthem for this week's guest. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. In the spotlight, a beautiful, fashion-savvy, oh-so-talented woman who has experienced more loss, more trauma, and more heartache in her childhood and her early adulthood than most people experience in a lifetime. And she's here to tell us those stories. But what you need to know for now as we settle in is that she is resilient, kind of like the phoenix rising from the ashes of a life that could have extinguished her flame, leaving her broken and in the dust. But she never stopped believing in herself. Hers is a true success story. With a master's in marriage and family therapy, she spent years treating teenagers and their families. But she knew that that work was just not her true passion. So she took a sharp left-hand, very brave turn to do what she loves best, fashion. And she is considered one of the nation's best fashion bloggers. She's a fashion trailblazer, a brand creator, a bold entrepreneur, and a mentor to many in her industry. She's also got a really cool podcast, so check it out. It's called Shorts with Tara and Jill. Just 10 minutes per episode. Consider it bite-sized pieces of fashion wisdom. Like so many people who have survived heartache and tragedy, she had champions who stepped in along the way. A third-grade teacher a loving grandmother, and her uncle. All these years later, she is a thriving mother of three with a career that is on fire. Her name is Tara West. This is her story. Tara, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for that introduction. I feel amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Before we even start, you're feeling good about yourself, right? As well, you should. You know, when you were about four years old, I know this is kind of where the story begins. You learned that your mother's love was conditional. And that's really a terrifying thing to learn because I think we always say to ourselves, well, we can take our mom and dad's love to the bank, right? Tell me that story. I don't actually remember all the details, but I do remember that my mother had already finished almost a bottle of vodka because I recall always seeing that part of it, the empty bottles. And, you know, vodka doesn't smell on your breath, but her actions and her demeanor would change. And I refused to take a nap and she was angry at me. So she said that she was going to take me to an orphanage because I was not obeying. I was not taking a nap. So she put me in the car and drove me down the road, which, by the way, she should not have been driving, clearly. And she pulled over the car and she said, you either behave or you go to the orphanage. This is your last warning. And that's when I knew I had to behave. If I wanted to stay, I had to do exactly what she wanted me to do and and, and above. Tell me a little bit about your parents and your siblings. Set the table for us a little bit. My parents were married. I have two older brothers. They're twins. And my father, ironically, is a criminal lawyer. You know, a lawyer works a lot. And my mother drank a lot. And so we were well off. My mother was a trust fund child. My father grew up in Beverly Hills. So there was a lot of means. But they got a divorce when I was two. And I don't know all the details, but I know my father might have been with other people. But my mother was always drunk. So that wasn't going to work out. 
My brothers were running wild. So anyways, my mother decided to marry her childhood sweetheart and take us to Boulder, Colorado. Ah, so from California to Boulder, Colorado, and a long way from your dad, too. Yes, I don't think my dad really cared much that we were leaving because he always thought that the kids should be with their mother. So he didn't put up a fight at all. Wow. And that's hard in and of itself. Let's flash forward to third grade. And you had a teacher who saw you, Tara. And I can't say enough about great teachers, right? They can change a child's life. Yes, Ellen Robbins. And she will be thrilled that I'm doing this right now. But she saved me. My mother, she was very good at getting to know people and getting them to really like her. And then things changed and my mother's drinking got out of hand and her marriage was failing. And my third grade teacher saw me struggling because, you know, I would be falling asleep in class or I was painfully shy. And I think that when there's a kid that's either painfully shy or the opposite of reckless, you know that that's a red flag. She used to say that I could go and babysit her daughter. She would take me in and there were times when my mom would just leave me there for days on end. Sometimes I'd walk to her house from my house, which was literally 20 miles or something because I wanted to get away. It's such a heartbreaking story. Your mother was an alcoholic. Describe her a little bit for all of us. Did she ever work for a living? You said she was a trust fund baby. Give us a little picture of her. So my mother was always dressed fabulous. She always had fur coats and diamonds. And even though I don't know if it was always what she could afford, she was wearing it. And she was very friendly. She, you know, she obviously had mental disorder because she could snow anybody. But she had a serious problem. And it wasn't just drinking. It became drugs and over-the-counter drugs, prescription drugs, whatever she could get her hands on. Mm -hmm. She was so unhappy. Yeah. And you could tell, but she tried to cover it with clothing or I think she had five plastic surgery facelifts. It was always something. So on the outside, she looked like she had the world, you know, by the you know what's. But on the inside, she was just an absolute disaster who probably should never have been a mom in the first place. Right. Should never have been a mother. Even as a little girl, Tara, because you wanted to be a good girl, you became the fixer. Cleaning up broken glass, often bloody broken glass, off of the floor. Talk to us about maybe one of those experiences. Right. So I remember when my mother and stepfather, when we lived in Colorado, would get into a fight. There was always cocaine involved. There was always heavy drugs. He was a psychotherapist, and he could prescribe drugs. So there was a lot of drugs. And so not only was it drinking, but there were other drugs. So it would escalate to a point that you can only imagine. And there would sometimes be blood. They would throw glasses at each other, cut each other. And then I would go in and clean everything up because it was so scary. And I think that that was probably the only thing that I knew that I could do to make myself feel better in the situation. But, you know, my mother did try to take her life and he decided to leave her. And it was Valentine's Day. I was in the, I think, fourth grade. And I was like, I woke up in like 3 a.m., and I heard people calling my mom's name. Now, we lived on top of a mountain. So you couldn't just like, people just didn't like show up at your door. And I walked up to the bathroom. The paramedics were there. And my mom was lying completely naked with pills and bottles all around her. And they saved her life. It, she would have died if there was 
about five more minutes of her being there. You know, the damage that this can do to a child. When you see, you see your mother on the floor, naked, surrounded by pills. Your father doesn't seem to care. Your whole world is falling apart. How do you remember talking to yourself and saying, I'm going to survive this? Like, Or did you just put one foot in front of the other? How'd you do it? Well, you know, like my third grade teacher, obviously, I had told her about that scenario. And there was always a comforting word and always, you know, this is not your fault. And even though people would always tell me it's not my fault, there was a little part of me that really did think it was my fault. You were a bad girl, and that's why this happened. When my mother, when after my mother tried to kill herself, her husband, my first stepfather, left her, and she blamed me because I really didn't ever like him. He scared me. He was a scary guy, and so she blames me for it. So there was a lot of blame always put on me. My mother put me in therapy when I was like three years old, saying that if I was fixed, her problems would go away. And so it was a constant me. I was the one. You lived briefly with your father and stepmother, and then your dad sent you to your grandmother's house. Rejection, but she was your favorite, and she loved fashion, and she lived in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Take me to that time in your life. Yes, I always joke because Beverly Hills suited me very well. After this happened with my mother and things were terrible, my brothers and I begged my father to let us come and live with him. And my I call her my step monster because <laughs> she truly was. But she didn't want us there. And she especially did not want me. She did not want me. She had just had my sister, my half sister, and she did not want another female around, especially a daughter. So on my way to school, I must have been there maybe a week or two. My dad told me that he was taking me to my grandmother's to live in Beverly Hills. And I was sad because that was the first time I'd ever been separated from my brothers. But at the same time, my grandmother and I had an incredibly beautiful, special relationship. And she would take me shopping. We would go to fashion shows. This is where my love of fashion really sparked. Ever since I was a little girl, even before that. But we had a really, really nice relationship. It sounds to me, too, as if she was quite the classy lady in terms of how she presented herself to the world. What did you learn about fashion by looking at your grandmother and ex attending all these big fashion shows and things like that? The funny thing is, is she probably could have used a stylist, <laughs> but she did love fashion. And it was more, you know, I just remember like going to Saks Fifth Avenue with her and Bloomingdale's and that smell of new clothes and the <laughs> leather and, you know, always buying me something special on my birthday, like a piece of jewelry or something. So that was really the fashion. But she loved it. At some point, you end up back with your mother. But it is a disaster. And this time, she ends up in jail. When I was in the sixth or seventh grade, it's hard for me to remember timelines, but I was in Beverly Hills and I had really acclimated very well. I had friends. I was doing well. And I got a phone call and I got called to the principal's office. And my dad by the way, hadn't spoken to me since he dropped me off at my grandmother's house. And he said, your mother got in a terrible accident and I can't tell you what happened, but I'll tell you when you get home. My grandmother picks me up. She's very upset. So I called my mom. She was in the hospital and she said, I got into a terrible accident and she said I was drinking. And I said, what happened to the other people? And she said, they're dead. So she had thought she killed both of them, but she did kill one and the other ended up in a wheelchair for the rest of their life. And the magnitude of that, I can't explain. So she ends up going to jail for vehicular homicide. How did that affect you? 
well, I'm also living in Beverly Hills. So it's not that it would be fine anywhere else, but that makes it much harder. It was very hard for me. Some kids found out and made fun of me. They used to spit spitballs in my hair. I had to actually leave that school because it was a tremendous thing for somebody to go to. So shameful. I carried a lot of shame from it. Mm. Enter your uncle. He rescues you too. One of those people who stepped forward. Talk to me a little bit about that. So here comes my father, the criminal lawyer who gets my mother out on good behavior. So he got her out early. And she came to live with my grandmother and I, and she'd fill the bottles up with water. She still was drinking. She was out of control. She met a man, married him after two dates. He was a nightmare. But my grandmother was done having me live there. And it does it makes sense. She was too old. I was going into high school. So I go and live with them. And that was unbelievable. It was either the police were at our house or I had to call the police. He was beating her. She was beating him. It was a nightmare. And by the way, we have a lot of means. So you don't expect this to be going on at somebody's house like ours. So it was very hard for people to believe me. And then my uncle, who is this tremendous person that would always take like 15, my cousins, my brother, all of us on trips to like Paris and Italy. So I'm I'm living this crazy life. And then all of a sudden I'm in Hotel de Cop and <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the contrast between what your life looked like on the outside and what was really happening on the inside. It makes me think about the movie Mommy Dearest or something. Oh, I, I can relate to that very well. So we're in Hawaii. This is going into my junior year. And somehow my cousin started asking about what I was living through. And it all came out. And my uncle's face, I'll never forget. And he said to me, Tara, if you ever need to get out, you can come and live with me. It's okay. Like, nobody should be going through this. You must have felt like he was Superman or something. Like, come to your rescue. I would say that I thought it was very nice, but I didn't think it would ever happen. Because even though somebody extends themselves like that, it is very hard to be able to say, oh, yes, please. But then there was a situation where I went to a party. Now, I was a good kid. I did great in school. I Well, I tried. It was hard in a situation in which I was in. But... I did lie about a party I was going to. What, whatever, 17-year-old doesn't once in their life. And so I came home, and when I walked through the door, my stepfather grabbed me by the neck, beat my head against the hardwood floor, and I ran for my life. I didn't have anything. I didn't have any shoes. I had no money. And as I'm running, I'm saying to myself, Tara, you have two choices in life. You either stay in this situation and you fail miserably, or you find a way out. And that's when I reached out to my uncle. And thank God you did, because your life started to turn around because you had the support of a caring, responsible adult. You decided to go to college. Tell me a little bit about your college experience and what was your major at the time? Yes. So my goal was to get into college. And I knew it was going to take a lot because of everything I had been through. And I, you know, I wasn't one of these kids that was super excelling. But I got into Ithaca College. Great school. Great school for media studies, which they're known for. And so now Ithaca College, you know, is in a very small upstate New York place, which is very different than where I came from. But I loved it. I feel like it was a healing place for me. I'm always surviving, surviving, surviving. And here I could live and thrive even. Mm -hmm. Right. So you decide you're going to get a master's degree in marriage and family therapy, which is just so ironic, right? Lots of healing there for your patients 
and lots of healing for you. I did know therapy very well because I had been in therapy since I was three. I said, I know that profession and I think I'd probably be good at it. And so I went to USC and I got my marriage and family therapy license. Somewhere along the way within your practice, you decided, you know what? I'm really good at this, but it's not what floats my boat. It's not what makes me want to get up in the morning. So you decided to follow your passion. And so tell us how the idea for TaraWestFashion.com started. I always knew that it wasn't like what I was going to do. And I was always way overdressed as a therapist. And my clients, I think it threw them sometimes because like, why am I so dressed? But I literally could not be dressed. It just was innate in me. And so after my third child, I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to start a business. And then it just evolved word of mouth. Wow. And when something evolves word of mouth, you know you're onto something because people want to say, oh, did you hear about Tara West? She's really good at what she does. You have said a person's relationship with their clothing is not very easy to unpack. Are you still a therapist? Are you a clothes therapist? I call it retail therapy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm all about retail therapy. <laughs> because I always say, and I just said this the other night when I was speaking at something, is if you feel good when you leave the house, you're probably going to have a good day. If you put on something that's self-deprecating or tight, you know, you start to self-deprecate and you start to go negative. So I always say, get rid of the stuff that really doesn't fit. We always say, oh, maybe, but really cleanse that out and let's start fresh and feel good about what you're wearing. Tell me a little bit about your business partner and your mentor. So my friend Jill, she actually, this is many moons ago when I wanted to start this business, she runs businesses and I had told her about this. And so uh, the word of mouth thing was fine, but then she said, you have to go into social media. And I said, oh, no, you're great. There's no way. Thank God I listened to her because now, you know, social media is everything. And then I decided to write a blog. So um, my blog won Best Fashion Blog of Boston a couple of years in a row. And now it's Jill and I had started this podcast, Shorts the Podcast. So I, in in the end, everything evolves, right? And so things are still evolving now. I do public speaking and moderating. And it's all of these things that I love so much. You also have a YouTube series, which is called Dressed. Tell me all about it. So about three years ago, these two men contacted me and I was like, why are these guys still like they keep calling me? And what they wanted to do was make a mini documentary about my story. And they didn't even know that I had a story. That was the first time I ever opened up about everything that I've been through. And so from there, I said to them, let's start this series called Dressed with Tara West. And what we do is go around and interview people who are not necessarily very famous, but are well known in Boston. How did motherhood change you, Tara? So interesting is I've never really been afraid of being a mom because I had such bad parents that I, I could not be worse. Like I was confident. I'm confident in that. <laughs> really, I truly am. I think, you know. My, I have a 16-year-old and one going into high school. And so my biggest fear always, obviously, is drinking and all of these. They're really good kids. But I, I beg them, please, I tell them, I, I actually can't handle it. <laughs> Mommy can't take it. She's already had enough on her plate, right? Like I said in the beginning when we started talking, more trauma than most people have in a lifetime. Tell me a little bit about the vibe in your house. How have you healed your own losses and traumas in the type of home you've created for your children? 
Well, I think it's always a work in progress. You know, there are times like my mother just passed in June, and that was an important point for me because it was I was sadder than I thought I would. But I think I'm sad about the story because it's just a sad story. But my kids, I don't talk to them a tremendous amount about what I've been through but I'm honest with them. And so when my mother passed and they saw me sad, there's obviously conversation. We're very open. I'm very open to talking to my kids. I have high expectations in terms of school, but I'm really real with them about life. If I had met you as a little girl in the middle of all of this mess, maybe that 10-year-old little girl, would you be surprised to learn how you turned out? I don't think so. I have always known that it wasn't me, I would sit and think, these people are crazy. (laughs) Like, I don't know how I ended up in this situation, but I know it's not right. We all need a champion. And you happened to have had three of them, your teacher, your grandmother, your uncle. What did each one of them teach you about you? I think that my third grade teacher, Alan, she taught me that it wasn't me, that I am a good person. And even though I'm in this circumstance that I should not blame myself, that's probably the biggest takeaway I took from her. My grandmother was unconditional love. That was just love that was I was born into, that we had this connection that you can't create, that it's just there. And my uncle, I mean, I think that he's taught me how to respect myself. And even though you are the product of what you've come from that doesn't need to define you. And you need to work for what you want and you can accomplish it. You mentioned that your mom passed away in June of 2021, and I'm sorry. I had read that she died alone and drunk. You are about to experience a very difficult day, which is the one-year anniversary of your mother's passing. How will you do with that? I almost couldn't catch my breath. And even though I've known that I was always going to get that phone call, that my whole life I've waited for that phone call. And I think coming up on a year, I'm going to feel better than I ever have because it's happened and I made it through and I still know who I am. And I still have the strength to get myself through difficult situations. And I think it's always how you conduct yourself. Bad things can happen. Good things can happen. But how do you conduct yourself? And I don't mean putting on a fake facade like I had for many years. How do you take care of you? Next three questions we ask everybody who sits where you are. So you're in the hot seat. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I go through it. (laughs) Every time? I'm pretty head on. I mean, I don't want to do that, but I think it's just my nature. Best piece of advice you've ever received. And can you pass that along to one of our listeners? I think the best piece of advice I've ever received is you don't wait for opportunity, you create opportunity. At this moment, in this chapter in your life, what does success mean to you? Success to me is just to be able to continue working to evolve, my business evolve and sustain at the same time. Tara West, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story today on the story behind her success. Thank you. And that's the story behind her success for this week. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. 
So if you have someone in mind, will you please let me know? Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. Give the show a follow on your favorite podcast platform and please tell your friends and your family about the show. Leave a review if you would be so kind because I will have a new and inspiring story for you next week. When we share our stories, no matter where we are in this great big world, we provide a roadmap towards success. So what's your story? I can't wait to hear it. <laughs>